This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What I've done is help athletes be the best they can be. We work on giving you that winning edge, that mental edge that will help you realize your potential. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for over 30 years as a sports psychologist. This is the first time I've ever listened to it. I'm on my way to church and I said, I got to pull over and talk. Right now is your chance to call Dr. Jacobs for free help with any sports-related problem. It's a wonderful form, and I, I must be a radio for me every time I, I'm in the camp city. And this show is about you. It's about having fun, working hard, building self-confidence, having the right attitude, being a good teammate, being a good parent, and being a good cook. Now, here's the sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, the home of the world's happiest broadcasters, as we've been known since the 60s. And I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m., as you know, and we talk about the mental side of sports on this show, and I thoroughly enjoy doing the show with you each week because we try to touch on things on this show that can help you as parents, can help you as athletes, can help you as coaches, as referees, understanding, enjoying the sports experience. And as you know, I've been in practice since 1981 as a sports psychologist. I've been on the radio for 26 years, the last 16 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And I really do enjoy doing this show every Sunday because you know what? We get into things, get into topics, get into discussions, and I get feedback throughout the week from people that can help people out because that's what I do. I try to help people understand how to make the whole sports experience a positive one and enjoyable one for themselves as fans, as as participants, as coaches. And you know I just uh, wrote a book this past year with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. And we're getting a lot of positive feedback on this book because we talk about the whole sports experience for kids how to make it enjoyable, how to make it productive, how to make it fun. And throughout my career, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of people. I've, I've worked, as I said, for 36 years in this profession, and I've met all kinds of people in, in gosh, just about every sport, it seems like, from little league, youth, youth level competition, all the way up to the professional Olympic levels. And today, one of those people has joined me in the studio, He's a good friend. He's someone I've known since 1984. He is a soccer coach. He is a grandfather. He's a father. He's a, a, a friend. He's a, a man I admire a lot. His name is Rick Ben Ben. And he's gotten up early and driven all the way in here to be with me this morning. So, Rick, my friend, thanks for being here today. Oh, glad, glad to do it, Andy. And Rick and I met back in 1984 when he was coaching the Kansas City Comets. And I've known him ever since. He's now in his 20th year. Let me repeat that, 20th year as the head coach at UMKC men's soccer team. And, you know, not many people coach that long with one team anymore. How have you survived 20 years? Wow. I don't know. I really haven't given that, uh, you know, a whole lot of, lot of deep thought. You know, I really enjoy coaching. Uh, you know, I've been lucky. I've had the opportunity to do it at really every level and, uh, and, it, and have enjoyed all those different levels. And, you know, UMKC is, it's a great place, you know, and I've been really fortunate there to, you know, work with lots of great people. And, and so, you know, I think as a, 
you know, I think as lo- if you're lucky enough to find a profession you really love and then you're able to do it with people that you really, you know, respect and enjoy working with, then it, it's really pretty easy. Well, we've known each other, you know, as I said, for a long time. I work with you at the Commons. I work with you at UMKC. One of the things I've always admired about you is you care about the people you coach. And you're, you, you, you genuinely care about those people. And the kids that come in, and let's face it, at the collegiate level, there's about a 25 to 30% transfer rate in, in athletes every year. That happens. People come and go. You're coaching a soccer team. You've got over 20 guys on the roster. 11 guys are on the field at one time. Everybody can't be happy. It's in, and everybody who's playing at the collegiate level, as I've said many times on the show, Rick, I think if you make it to the collegiate level, you are a survivor. Because you've it, it, with youth sports and everything today, starting at such young ages, if you make it all the way up to college and you're still playing, you've survived a lot of stuff. No, that's true. You know, there's no question. Uh, you know, I think, you know, the environment's just, uh, you know, so important. And, you know, naturally when you, you know, when you win, generally everybody is more happy than, than not. Uh, but... You know, I think with all the kids, I think, you know, you have to focus on, you know, them individually. Uh, I think you have to keep your eye on the ball as far as in in collegiate sports. You know, it's a multi-role deal. You know, we want them to, you know, do their very best as players. But then also, you know, the main goal is to have everyone walk out with a degree. And then also to help them just mature as individuals and uh, so that they're ready to you know, move forward with their lives. So, you know, I think as a coach, you just have to force yourself to look at all those things. And, uh, um, you know, and that's really the focus that, you know, we've taken, you know, for a long time. So, uh, well, forever. So that's what we try to do. Well, you've been at UMKC for 20 years, and, and I didn't know when we were talking before we came on the air, you started coaching in 1969 with, with younger kids. I mean... Yeah, like when I, uh, my freshman year in college, uh, one of my new friends, uh, one of my new friends, teammates, uh, was coaching a grade school team in uh, in North City in St. Louis and asked me to start, asked me to help them, which, which I did. And that was, uh, that was the team that really, you know, started what became Scott Gallagher, which is, you know, still one of the best uh, youth clubs in, in the country over in St. Louis. What's changed from your perspective in youth sports? Let's go. Let's go back to you're, you're. I think three years older than I am, so we're the same generation. Grew up, you know. We'd play with our friends after school. We, you know, we weren't in organized sports leagues at four and five years of age like it is today. And I've I've talked about it on this show forever. My concern is that we're forcing kids to be in organized sports leagues at too young of an age. This is my perspective, and you may be different. I don't know, because I don't think I've ever asked you this. I think we're, we're getting kids too young in, in, in organized leagues. I think it's great to get them in activities, but we've got them in organized leagues, playing games at four, five, and six years of age, which I don't, I don't think is right. I, I think we've taken play out of the picture for kids. We don't let kids play. Now, there's safety issues today that you and I didn't have as much of growing up you know, we could go up to the grade school and play till it was dark and not worry about things. Today, you don't see a group of kids playing. You've got, you've got what, nine grandkids now? How many do you have? Mm-hmm. Nine, yeah. Nine yeah, grandkids. Nine. Okay, so you're, you've got your own baseball team. Right. Um, 
You've almost too short of your own soccer team. Are you? Is right. that going ha- to? Are, you, are, the, are <laughs> the girls working on that? I won't go. I, yeah, I can't go there. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, but but you know, and I see after you know after a UMKC game, your grandchildren come out and they're playing around on the field. They're mm-hmm. having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but have have we as a society changed youth sports to the point now that the fun is going out of it? Well, I I mean I hope not. I mean I think. Um, I don't know. The one word you use, activities, I think is important. I think that, uh, you know, I, I, my brother, one of, you know, my big mentor, like in sports and coaching and teaching, he's 10 years older. So I think, I think even going back then, I think, uh, his, his opinion at the time was, you know, when I was coming up playing that things had changed so much from when he was a kid, right? So <laughs> it was a long time ago. I, you know, I I think again. I think it's really up to the parents to provide uh, a good environment for their children, and they're the only ones who I think can know that. All right. So I think that uh, sports activities have become more structured for sure. But I but I don't necessarily think that's bad as long as again the parents are doing it for you know the right reasons, so to speak, so that they're their kids can socialize, have fun, enjoy the activities, uh, but certainly they are more structured, you know. So you mentioned my grant. So yesterday, you know, we had a combination of, uh, you know, volleyball for real little little girls, which it's so hearing about that and, and cheering both teams, you know, that were playing against each other because they got the ball over the net quite a few times <laughs> right I, I wasn't there and how were these the triplets yeah the triplets and they're what are they six now five six what are no they? they're 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 eight eight they're, okay. yeah they're in third grade so uh yeah they're growing up fast and uh you know they had a soccer game also that day right uh, uh so you know i think it's the uh two of my other grandsons had soccer games uh but again i think from my perspective, their parents do a nice job of keeping it in perspective and keeping the focus on having fun and not that they're already trying to create, you know, a collegiate player or a professional player. Uh, but, you know, and there certainly has to be a good balance there. Well, that, and that was, it's funny you just use that word balance because that was the word I was going to throw out. You've got a good balance in your life. You've got a wonderful wife, Meg, you've been married to forever who who is your support system and gets it. I mean, every time I see your wife, she's always smiling. I mean, she's a very wonderful woman. And you've got a, a, a really solid family, and that's good, and that's it. But, but we have so many people, as you know, we have all these people who who's get involved with sports because, well, my daughter's going to play in college, or my son's going to be a professional athlete. And you see these parents that have these dreams, and oftentimes – Totally out of context. Uh, back in June, I did it. Did a uh, one of my shows here was on the topic of a a baseball team in Texas, where the coach a ten and under baseball team where the coach recruits players from all over the country to come there and play, and they fly in on weekends to play with them. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, you know, again, I I, I think each case is is so individual. I think it's easy to to paint it just as as totally bad. Right. I mean, it, it, it does not relate to myself where I would think that I would, 
you know, that I would ever have done that with any of my kids. But, you know, I, I just think, again, if the, if the, uh, if the approach with the parents is, you know, again, correct, and what does that even mean, like in a big context, you know? Uh, but I just think you just have to really be careful. I think you have to be careful and measured. And, uh, you know, you have all the, you know, uh, the mental aspects for it for the boys and girls, you know, the the pressure they might be feeling and seeing, uh and then, obviously, the physical demands that, that are put on their body at such a young age, especially if they specialize, right? So no matter what sport it is you specialize in, you're going to be putting more stress on, you know, certain parts of their body. And it's, then the uh, wear and tear. Take, yeah, I mean, Rick, you know, right. the, the wear and tear and sports specialization I think we're seeing now more and more of with so many um, young people, 11, 12, 13, starting to have surgery. Because they've been playing one sport for a long time. Mm-hmm. No, there, no, there's no question. Um, you know, I think that. Uh, you know, I think that the kids again. It just, uh, you know, it just really has to be a balance. I, I, I don't know how to almost get beyond that. I think anything to, anything to a, to a really big extreme, I think generally doesn't have long-time positive effects. I mean, it can. It does work out in some instances. I, I think about gymnastics a lot, right? I mean, as far as, like, your question about that. And, you know, most of the, you know, world-class gymnasts, you know, start doing stuff when they're really young. Uh, and typically it's because they'll watch the Olympics and see that and they get excited. Yeah, you know, things yeah, like that. yeah I think so. So, yeah, no, those those were all tough questions. I mean, my advice to everyone is really try to be, you know, honest with yourself, uh, you know, with your kids. Because, you know, one thing I hear a lot is, well, you know, he or she really wants to do it. They really want to do that. And I don't know, most of the time I look in those situations that, that your kids are going to do what you want to do <laughs> a lot. So I think it's easy to convince yourself that, you know, Johnny or, or – uh, you know, Mary want to go and, and do this activity every day or whatever the commitment is. And, uh, you know, those are those are really tough calls. Hey, but I, I you know, I really believe I, I don't believe that you have to specialize. OK, I, I do think if if you're uh, if you're really if you're a really good athlete, you know, I tell people this a lot. Uh, you know, if your son or daughter is capable, capable of being a pro athlete, you probably might not be able to stop them, you know. If they're, I think that's if, a good point. I think that that's good, a good point. You know, so uh, and if, if they are, it's going to happen on its own more so than from you. Yeah, pushing, certainly. Right? Hey, your guidance and putting them in the right direction. But most, most, most uh, professional athletes now, when when you talk to any of them, they were multi-sport kids who, you know, genetics were right. You know, environment was right and. You know, it worked. And, and, you know, I always use the example of Lorenzo Cain. He didn't start playing baseball until he was in high school. I mean, you know, he, he's a, on a World Series championship team. So I, I don't think it applies to everybody to have to start at that young age. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me this morning is UMKC head coach, soccer coach Rick Ben-Ben. He's been coaching there for, in his 20th season. Rick's been around coaching since 1969 with, with young kids, with the professionals. I worked with him with the Kansas City Comets back in the 80s. Probably my most fun time 
was working with Rick with the Comets. We had a, I think we could call it an eclectic group of players. Remember when you first we first started, I started with the team. We had guys from about eight different, nine different countries. They spoke all these different languages. And uh, remember my first road trip, we've talked about this before, we... We were in Las Vegas, and I do this re- the, my relaxation and visualization exercise. Remember, we did that in the in the bathroom at the was the Thomas and Maybe Center. Is that where we were? That no, was, I think it was the Thomas. It was the Thomas Mack Center. Center. I think it's been redone or okay. maybe knocked down. It's a different one. But, but we did. I remember we did that right. in the restroom. We had all these guys there, and, and it was it was. I didn't know if they even understood me. Some of them. Andy, I tell you, I remember I was thinking, what on earth did I get myself into here? So, <laughs> yeah. But we lasted several years together, and, and it worked, and we had. But a couple of the European guys, remember Peter Berlich came up to me, mm-hmm. who was from Europe, and said, you know, this is very good stuff. Mm-hmm. I said, did you understand it? He goes, it makes me feel relaxed. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I think sports psychology is really important aspect of, of every sport, right? And in that environment, and I, I think it continues to the, today, you know, the work that you do with our with our kids at UMKC. You know, some kids buy into it 100%, others 0%, you know, and everywhere in between. Uh, but, you know, I know, uh, you know, you made, uh, you know, you made connections here with several of the Comet guys that continue today. And, uh, well, your goalkeeper coach, Alan Mayer, who was, Alan was actually, you know, this is my 26th year on radio. Mm-hmm. My very first show, Alan was my first guest. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And he'll still talk to me to yeah. this day, or he'll yeah. still talk to him, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I think the most common thing, you know, I think when you talk, when I, you know, when I talk to other players and Alan, I mean, it, obviously sports psychology is a much broader <laughs> subject than this, but I think to me, and I don't even think I understood it when I was playing, but I, I've always visualized myself, right? Just from when I was a kid playing, you know, to. All the way through my playing career, you know, well, you were successful. You're a successful keeper at SIU, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't think it had the. I, I think when we were growing up, when you played, it didn't necessarily have the name visualization. We did it without knowing it was called visualization per se. Right, exactly. You know, so yeah, that whole uh, area, you know, obviously, you know, always is really interesting to me, and the methods, and and you know, trying to. Again, lead lead the kids in a way that hey, they can use it, you know, in their in their well for us and you know in our sport. But you know, it's certainly important. Uh, well, not only in sports and life, as you say. Well, so. I'm a little bit biased that way, and so are you because we've known each other forever. I'm sports mm-hmm. psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me this morning is UMKC head men's soccer coach Rick Ben Ben in his 20th season at UMKC, and we're going to go to a break here. Come back. We're going to take some calls. Let's get some calls in here. If you are a parent. And you have a son or daughter who's playing sports. You have a question about, am I pushing them too hard? I want them to play maybe collegiately. They have a dream of playing collegiately. Here's the perfect man to ask how to get them there. He understands that he's been recruiting for years. He's been a head coach at UMKC, as I said, for 20 years. If you have a question regarding that, it's a great time to call in. If you have a question about how to motivate your kids to play, anything pertaining to that, Rick's, Rick's an expert in this. Like I said, I've known him forever. He's got great advice. So our number here is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're in the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everyone. 
I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we're in the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. As you know, I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8. Been on the radio in Kansas City now for 26 straight years, 16 years here at, UM, at UMKC. <laughs> I'm with UMKC heads men's soccer coach Rick Benbed, 16 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And Rick's joining me this morning, as I mentioned, and uh, interesting interview we're talking. We've known each other for a long time, worked with Rick. He's, he, he understands the mental aspect of sports, and I, I respect his judgment and the way he treats kids. He, he's, he's a very fair man. He treats them with respect which a lot of coaches I see don't. Um, but I want to get into something that a lot of people really don't talk about and everybody has questions about, and that's about recruiting. You know, Rick, you've, you've been at UMKC for 20 years. You've coached for a long time. Most parents, I think, don't understand how recruiting works, and I get that in my office with people that come in all the time. Do you have somebody who can help us with the recruiting process? So if you, if you would, explain how the recruiting process works when you're interested in someone. How, how do you parents find out? How do the kids find out? And I want to open up our phone lines. If you have a son or daughter, doesn't matter what the sport, you think they may want to play in, uh, you know, collegiately in their sport. You're interested in finding out about how this works. It's a great time to talk to somebody who gets it, gets it totally, Rick Benben. Our number here is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. So if you would just sort of explain how recruiting works the whole process. Right. Well, I mean, first of all, it's different at for different levels of uh, of college sports. So, you know, if you start the top, so to speak, with Division One, uh, you know, football, football, men's and women's basketball, volleyball. Uh, at Division One, those are head count sports. So that basically means if your son or daughter, you know, gets a scholarship in one of those sports. Uh, you know, they're going to get a full ride, okay? So that starts with that. And explain, because some people don't know what, exactly what full ride means because it, they think, does it include this or that? What exactly right. is that? So, you know, basically it means your your son or daughter will get tuition, tuition fees, books, room and board, and then also, you know, a, a stipend. Now, the stipend part of it's changed where, you know, the BCS schools have now, Added a cost of education, uh, you know, figure to it to uh, you know bump those numbers up a bit, and uh, so they'll they'll even get some additional money to help with uh, you know expenses as well. So okay. is that a monthly stipend? How often do they get that? Is that you know, something I every think, semester? I think it depends. Yeah, I think generally monthly, you know, maybe by semester. I'm not sure. I'm sure each school probably has a little bit different. And do you know? Do you have any approach. idea how much that how much that can be? You know, and I don't remember off the top of my head. It's a couple thousand dollars for sure. You know, maybe a little bit more for the than year. Ah, uh, yeah. You I mean, know, not, not something every, not like every month. that. No, <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Over the course of the year, over right. the course of the year, and and that's that's what the big time BCS schools, right? Football, bas- basketball types of schools, right? Okay. Right. Uh, you know, the other sports. Uh, uh, are all termed equivalency sports, right? So in men's soccer, uh, we have the equivalency of 9.9, you know, full scholarships to divvy up amongst, you know, you can really divide it up pretty much any way you want to, okay? Most of the kids at UMKC, you know, uh, on my team probably get tuition, tuition, tuition fees, tuition fees books. We get a few guys who get, you know, some additional room and board money. 
so that you know that's generally what you're looking at you know and again that that would be all the other sports okay a division 2 NCAA athletes uh not a hundred percent sure on on how it works as far as the difference between headcount and equivalency. I'm not sure exactly if that's the same. Uh, their their numbers as far as uh, how many scholarships per team are a little bit different, a little bit lower. Uh, Division three is non-athletic scholarships only, right? So uh, divisions three schools. Uh, now the one that pops in my mind is like WashU and St. Louis, right? It's a successful. Division three program year in and year out. Uh, so those are the three NCAA possibilities, and then the NAIA, uh, you know, they have their own, you know, rules as far as scholarship limits. And I'm not really familiar with, uh, you know, exactly how they do it. But and then again, junior college is yeah, junior college also. And and again, uh, hey, I think that's probably an area that some people discount right away. That I think they should not. I think Why? that is Why a is good that? path. Well, first of all, I think if, uh, uh, you know, as far as recruiting, it, it, it it's hard to be seen or found, right? It's not easy. There's uh, just tons and tons of kids now looking for opportunities. So, so let, let me interject right there. So if we've got a parent listening right now who has a child, maybe they're 13 or 14 in middle school going to high school, and their son or daughter is really excited about their sport, they would like to play in high school. They want to play in college. How do they go about getting a, you know, they may, you know, obviously a, a child's going to find some schools they'll want to play for. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, typically the way it's going to come. Or the parents will say, here's some schools. So what's the, the, the process of contacting the schools, dealing with the coaches? Because you can't do it up until a certain point when you can. I mean, we, we, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's really no restriction on the, uh, on the boys and girls contacting, you know, programs, right? Now, depending on their age and where they're at, the the possibility for coaches being able to respond to them is limited, all right? So, so let's, think, say, let's take you, for example, at UMKC, a D1 school, a soccer program. Mm-hmm. You've got a youngster that wants to play for you. They can contact you, but when can you respond to that? How, do, how does that work? Yeah, well, yeah, I think, I, I think a couple of things. Just even, I think in... Uh, Let's take it even a more general way, okay, to kind of get. I think, hey, I, I, do, I do think it's important to, like, narrow, narrow down schools that you're interested at some point, right? So there are so many recruiting <laughs> services now, and uh, every coach, I would say every coach in the country and every sport is getting bombarded by, you know, primarily email stuff. Uh, expressing interest in their program. Okay? And do you encourage parents to do that, though, to have, well, have them? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's fine, but if you're really going to get... So first of all, the coaches are always out looking, all right? So that's one thing uh, I think people have to understand, right? So, hey, every uh, coach in the country, no matter what sport, they're looking, you know, they're watching kids play all the time. They're getting recommendations. They're looking at videos. They're well. For, okay, right. so for, for for our situation at UMKC, where mm-hmm. you're coaching, you're in the middle of the season. We're having a great season, two zero mm-hmm. and two, mm-hmm. right now. But high school boys soccer is going on all over the place. So how do you balance out as a head coach with your assistant coaches, coaching the team you've got, which is you know twenty guys. You've got to be very involved with them. And we're in the middle of the season right now with 
checking out players who are playing at, at the high school level. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously in the fall, our time's limited to really do that. You know, we do we do get out a little bit, I would say, but our games come so fast and furious that, hey, our concentration is really on our team. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, I think it works two ways. I mean, we, we really try to let the kids who we're interested in know we're interested, all right? And that could be, uh, you know, again, we're always looking. So, how, it could so be, how will they know? How will they know you're interested? Then, how do you let them know that? Well, I, I mean, I think you know, generally, we you know, we do it directly. You know, so if at if at some point the uh, you know within the time frame when we are able to contact them, uh, you know, we do let them know they're interested. Hey, a lot of times, younger kids, uh, you know, will call and they'll want to come on an unofficial visit, right, when they're younger. Uh, maybe it's the, at camp. Maybe they've come to our camp and we see them that way. So there's really – but the but the, the point I really want to make with it is I, I think the schools you're interested in, you have to let them know you're interested, right? So that that's like the first thing. So if, as the if, athlete, you have to contact the school. You contact the coach or the yeah, program. Yeah, I mean, it goes both ways. But, yeah, I think you should, you know, instead of sending a blanket email to like 30 – you know, so many times the kids or parents do this, I'll send you an email and it'll list the trail of 100 schools or whatever that they're sending this email to. And – that's probably not the best approach. So what? Okay. So let's just take you. So when you get an email from somebody who's sending that form letter to you, basically that's right. kind of hundred schools. How do you? Right. You don't know who this guy is. How do you? Yeah. I mean, well, we you know we try to look. I mean, you you try to look at everyone if you can. Uh, certainly, what I go to is is just uh, hey, kind of quickly look at what their background is, where they're from, who they, and then also references for me are really important, right? So. If, if they have a reference of a coach that, hey, we know either directly or by reputation or, you know, you, you just try to really kind of research in any any way you can. But, and that, again, and excuse it's me, and the volume. The volume that, is the problem. And that probably helps you as a head coach because you've been in soccer forever, so you you know pretty much everybody. Oh, no, that's that, that's for sure. sure certainly relationships uh, are an important part of recruiting. And your assistant coaches have been around a while, so they both mm-hmm. know people as well. Sure. So that, that helps you quite a bit with that. Sure, exactly. So then so you'll get a letter. So you'll get some kind of uh, email or, or contact from somebody. So let's say you, you decide, hey, you know what, I, I might be interested in this young man. Mm-hmm. So t- take us through the process of how that works. Because like I said, I don't think a lot of people really understand that. Yeah, well then, you know, then obviously, hey, you you want to watch him play in person if you can, right? So that's uh, uh, the best way, and, and you want to do it multiple times. Uh, and do they know you're there? Do they know you come to watch them play, or do you try uh, to do it? You try think, to just sort of show up. I think that's up. mixed. I, I really like to recruit more, watch more <laughs> in an unbranded way, you know, I know there's lots of showcases like in every sport that, you know, you'll go to and, you know, everybody's logoed, everybody's watching. They, You know what I mean? They think right, all the coaches I, are sitting up in the stands. You know, yeah, I, I don't I, I rather myself. I rather go. Not like that. I, I rather so you might go, go to a high school, school, go to a high school game. They don't even know you're there. Just oh, watch sure. You prefer sure. to do it that yeah, way. Yeah, that's my preference. Because then I think you can really watch the game. Uh, hey, not that, 
you know, I think you mind talking to people or, you know, visiting with them. But if, hey, if I'm particularly going to a game to watch a kid play, I really want to watch them play. Because it's interesting you say that because, I, you know, I've, I've been in practice for 36 years. I have all these high school kids I work with. And one of the one of the big distractions and fears for a lot of these kids that come in and talk to me is the coach is coming to watch me play. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be all nervous. Why? Well, they're there. So what? My response is, so what? Who cares that they're there? You still got to play. Right. Whether they're there or not, you still need to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're watching me, and they might be interested. I said, okay, then concentrate on them and focus on them and see what happens. They look at me. Dr. Chicken, I said, well, go ahead and concentrate on them. How are you going to play? Pretty bad. Okay, well, then you know, come on. Let's use your mind the right way. It's just amazing what some kids will say. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. No, so, you know, I don't think it's a uh – uh, I think every situation is, is different in recruiting. You know, I mean, sometimes you're, uh, hey, obviously, if it's a local kid, hey, we get to see him play, you know, in person quite a bit. Yeah, you but know? you've got kids from, from Europe. You had a no, young man that, from New Zealand last year. So, I mean, obviously, you're right. not flying to New Zealand. We didn't watch the New Zealand watch right. English play. So, no, how, how mean, does that work? Yeah, that, that's primarily now the international and in every sport, the international athletes have blown up really in every sport. And uh, particularly in our sport, in men's soccer, obviously, the, the popularity of the sport around the world. Uh, so those kids, you know, see it as a potential. Like every kid who goes to college, I think they all want to be pros. They all, you know, express that, that, hey, that's, that's something they'd like to do. Uh, but particularly kids coming from overseas because they are uh, required to meet the same requirements uh, that the domestic kids are. So they have to have had a, uh, oh, I don't know if you want to call the family structure or whatever that that values education because they still, you know, have to have uh, a GPA. They have to take a college board test, which I'm really kind of amazed with all the kids, especially from, you know, non-English-speaking countries uh, that are able to you know, do that successfully. So they have to come from an environment where education is somewhat important. And uh, so, but it's it's primarily, in our case, it's primarily video. You know, we, uh, again. So how do you, uh, okay, we've, we've had kids from Italy, New Zealand. So so how do you find out about them? Do, do they send you a video or do you, I mean, how do you know? You're yeah, not going to so know if you've got some kid playing in the middle of Italy. You've got, what, three Italians on the team? Right. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know, primarily from uh, recruiting services, you would say. So these, these kids now, really all over the world, they're signing up with, you know, companies that help them, you know, give them the direction how to approach American universities, provide video, uh, so, you know, we, over the last few years really have made that an emphasis in our program and, you know, we've probably developed a, you know, good working relationship with probably five or six of those companies. Before we finish up this segment, then tell us the role of parents in the recruiting process for you. Well, I mean, I think it, it I think you need to be supportive. I think, again, you have to, uh, help your son or daughter, uh, be supportive in the process, I would say. I don't think you want to do it for them, right? I, I I would hope you wouldn't, the parent wouldn't be calling the coach 
and telling them, "Hey, my son's interested." I think you that mean like in the movie, the, the movie, The Blind Side. Remember with the Michael Orr? Did it? Oh, I don't remember that. Well, yeah, that's but, a whole other story. Okay, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it it should be their responsibility. I think the uh, the young man or young lady should take that responsibility to whether it's to call, to email, to you know, however they decide to. You know, I want to talk to the kid. I, I, you know, I enjoy talking to the parent. That's fine. But, hey, I think the process has to be with a young man or young lady. Have you ever had a young man you were recruiting and, and you were really obviously interested in them recruiting him, but the parents turned you off? And you didn't end up recruiting that, that youngster, that young man because no, of the parents? No, I, I don't think that's ever happened because I, I really i am not going to uh, penalize the kid, <laughs> so to speak, if I think mom or dad might be a little off point. No, but certainly I think it puts up maybe some, you know, warning flags for you, like, uh, you know, no matter what you might think the issue is. But no, I, I don't think I've ever... Ever well, that's good because that I'm sure that probably has happened with some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm sports psychologist. Interest, that's an interesting segment. I, I like what you said there because I think that gives people a little bit of a better understanding about the recruiting process because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know. I'm sports psychologist. Dr. Andrew Jacobs, my guest this morning is UMKC men's head soccer coach Rick Ben-Ben in his 20th year as the head coach at UMKC. And we're going to come back. Our final segment, we're going to talk about the mental side of, of sports, about soccer, how important psychology is. And we'd like to hear from you. If you have a question for Rick or myself, our number as always is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. If you have a, a young uh, son or daughter that's interested in playing collegiately, you want to know a little more about the process to get them there, some of the, the ups and downs, the pitfalls, the the highlights of being a, a collegiate athlete, there's no better person to talk to than Rick Ben-Ben and myself. 913-3810-810 is the number. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHP. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m. here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And this morning, my guest is UMKC head men's soccer coach Rick Ben-Ben. Rick is in his 20th year as the head coach at UMKC and someone I've worked with since the 80s back with the Comets. If you remember the Comets back at Kemper Arena, and I, and I am not saying this because Rick's here, but probably of all the things I've done, working the Olympic team, the Royals, KU, I don't think I had more fun than when I worked with the Comets. That, you know, the, the energy in Kemper Arena when it was sold out and we'd win a game and just the excitement, I think maybe... And maybe the most exciting game of all was a game we're playing, and I remember this game very well. Uh, we're playing Dallas and went into overtime, and it was a February game. It was snowing outside. We weren't sold out. There were a lot of empty seats because of the weather. And Jan Goosen scored in overtime and ripped off his jersey and went crazy down. Remember, remember that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think so. There were just so many you know, great moments during that. that I mean, talk about a, a miracle, you know, I mean— I mean, for myself, just having the opportunity to come over here with Pat McBride, you know, be part of his staff, and then to meet the meet the Lightwickies and David Schoenstatt, just kind of the whole thing was incredible. But David yeah, I Schoen- think that David, David was probably one of the most unique people I've ever met. No, no question. I I mean, what a 
innovative right guy. yeah just really uh I, I remember asking asking him at <laughs> i said david why are you doing this i said why don't you know my perception of him was god there's this guy with all this money I, I think i even said it this way i said why why don't you just go buy a bunch of mcdonald's you know and <laughs> and i think he said something like oh that wouldn't be any fun or something but no david is really and and the light wiki all really all the people is really uh we were all really fortunate to be part of that and i think we all uh you know 99 percent of the time enjoyed each other you know working with it so yeah it was really a well you, you gave me an opportunity to work with you you, you had no idea who i was and and no but that started. was the that was the uniqueness of david you know david would uh really visit with anyone, uh, not putting you in the category of anyone, Andy, but, you know, I, uh, you, you know, yourself and then another really, Richard you know, Dawson. important, yeah, person was Richard Dawson, same type of thing. Richard, uh, you know, Richard was a fitness coach before there were fitness coaches, right? And I can't remember exactly the context of how he you know, got himself in front of David, uh, but that again ended up being a relationship with myself and and our players. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Richard's passed away, but you know, he made uh, just such a significant impact with our team, and then like you, with individual players that yeah, it was it was time. it was uh, the cool thing about it was that that you gave me an opportunity to to do my thing and. You know, I got hired. I remember Christmas Eve, 1984. Pat resigned. The next day, you became the head coach, and you came in. And well, who are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we just started from there. And uh, but the thing that I loved about working with you is you just let me do my thing, and we talked about it. But the whole thing, Rick, that that, that I've enjoyed, and that's why we've worked together all these years. You're a great communicator. You're a great listener, and you're open-minded. And that's that's I think what's allowed you to coach for so long. Because I've seen so many guys who come in and. They think they know everything, and they don't last because they think they're, they're not willing to listen to people. Well, I appreciate that compliment. I, ho- I, I, well, I hope, mean it. I, I mean, no, I, I understand. I mean, I, I hope that's true. I mean, I think, I think if you want to do well, no matter what your profession is, you know, I think in, in my mind it's always better to be more open and more closed. I don't, I don't think that that means uh, you can have uh, – you know, I mean, you have to be the leader. You have to make decisions. You have to, you know, m- make the final decision. But, you know, I just really had a, you know, like with our team. So Fred Schlichting, my assistant, uh, you know, who's been here a long time with us, you know, he took another job, which is awesome. And, hey, having a new assistant. And one of the big things with our new assistant, I said, hey, I want you to come and coach and be yourself. And so that's what we're doing. And they're doing it. Let's go to the phones. we got a caller here. Let's see what Alan has to say. Alan, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling in. Good. Got a question for us. Yes, I wanted to ask. um, I have a child, a student athlete, who's been a little ambiguous about whether or not she wanted to play college athletics. So now in her senior year, drawing closer to that decision being yes, what would the steps be suggested that she take now at this late in the game to get on a roster somewhere? Yeah, you know, and I would really narrow, try to narrow down uh, the possibilities. All right, I think that'd be a that'd be a great first step, and then I would call those coaches. You know, I would call them because with an email, uh, I I think every time I get a call, if if somebody leaves me a voicemail, 
I don't know if it's our generation or what. I always call those people back, whether or not I even know, have any idea who they are. So that would be my my main uh, advice at, at this point, is to contact now, those coaches directly. Okay, thank you. Would that be the athlete calling the coach or the parent? That, well, that's the way I prefer it. I prefer always to hear from the athlete. Because, okay. because if a coach, if a parent calls me, uh, hey, my response is, hey, I, you know, I want to talk to your son or daughter. I mean, uh, and then also, I think with maybe, you know, the inference, hey, does my daughter really want to play or not? Well, hey, if they're not willing to pick up the phone and call, maybe they don't want to play that much. Or, but again, you you have to make that call. You know, if you can help her get to that point, if you think it's really important, then, hey, there's certainly nothing wrong with you calling either. So I don't, I don't okay. think it's, uh, in my mind, I don't think it's a straight, uh, straight case. You know, I think, you know, just try to get, try to get some doors open for her. How, uh, okay. let, Alan, before, before we let you go, how involved right. should Alan be, Rick, in the process then? You know, you, you prefer to talk to the, the child or the, right. the athlete, but the, the parent obviously has to be involved. Oh, where, right. where do you see Alan, like in Alan's situation, him getting involved in, in his Yeah, role? well, I, I would think just encouraging your daughter and talking to her about it and, okay. and just saying, hey, this is something you've worked your whole life to do. You should at least give it a shot. You know, there doesn't, you know, have, have her look, have her, you know, to, to really consider it because, hey, if it, once it's gone, it's gone, you know, over Absolutely. the next few years. Well, and I hope that, yeah, I hope that helps you out. Listen, good luck with your daughter. Let us, let, let me know how things go if there's anything I can do to All help right. you out. Appreciate we'll your call. Thank you. Have a great day. You know, Rick, let me ask, ask this. We've got about five minutes left. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> obviously, I've worked with you for, how many, gosh, I've known you 30, 33 years. Um, when I started in sports psychology, I mean, the, the first pro team I worked with was, was your team. Um, I've been doing this for 36 years. I was one of the first trained people in the country in it. You had no clue when you met me really what we we're going to do because we were just getting started. How important is the mental side not just in soccer, but in sports, from your perspective? Man, I think I would just say it's on an at least an equal basis with your athletic ability because, you know, we we all know that in sports you're going to have ups and downs, right? You're going to go in a slump. You're going to have a bad game. You're going to lose some games. And really your ability to stay positive to stay with the process to keep showing up every day to keep putting one foot in front of the other uh i think that's what really makes a difference with the with the top performers like in every sport i mean it's just amazing to me particularly in our sport when i see messi and cristiano ronaldo how can they maintain the level of their play over and over and over as many games as they're demanded to play, both for their club and their country, how they can go out there and always be the goal scorer, always be the game winner. I mean, those are just two amazing guys. And so the mental aspect of it's, it's got to be off the chart. I mean, yeah. So. I mean, and you know, I, I have a saying: you can have two athletes who are physically the same. The one with the stronger mind will be the one who'll come out on top. And I mean, to me, the the mindset 
you know, there's four parts to sports. There's the technical part, the tactical part, the physical part, and the emotional part. And you can look at tactics and technique and, and, and measure physicality, but you can't measure mental. I mean, you can't. There are people who say they can. I mean, I have a personality test I give that measures a variety of personality characteristics, but you can't really measure it in terms of, of you know, how good somebody is. It, it, it's how they feel about themselves. And so the mindset, and that's where I always, it, to me, it always, I'll ask you this question. It's the, I always love this question. I know I've probably thrown it at you before, but do you have to be confident to be successful or do you have to be successful to be confident? <laughs> it's, you're supposed to know that. Well, I have an answer. I want to see what you right. think. Man, I don't know how how they can be separated almost. I don't know. I think you have to uh well, I don't know what's that term you used, how many times you have to say oh, twelve you know, positives over twelve positives negative. over negative. I think I think awareness is just so important to just keep telling yourself you can do it. You know? So well, I, I don't know. I do not know the answer to that question. Well, there's no right or wrong answer, but but from where I come from and here here's my perspective on it. I think confidence to be successful is, 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 is the priority because if you're confident and you fail, you'll be pissed off, upset, whatever, but you're going to come back the next day and go for it. But if you have to be successful to be confident, well, then if you fail, where's your confidence? And okay. that's why to me, I mean, I, that's why to me, you know, I talk about, you know, my four thing, PFAC, preparation, focus, mm-hmm. attitude, confidence. Confidence is the foundation of the whole thing. Because if you have that confidence level there and you screw up, you're still going to know you can come out and do it the next day. Right. Yeah. And then also, hey, how do you measure success is certainly yeah. Listen, it's been great having you on today. Uh, people want to get a hold of you. How can they reach you? You've got your soccer camps. Tell people about that real quickly. Oh, yeah. We do. Well, we do want, you know, we do a residential camp at UMKC one week in the summer. Uh, ID camps are really kind of the craze that is our. That's really the way for kids, you know, when I say to get to know us, you know, kids are interested in playing, whether it's at UMKC or anywhere, or anywhere, you know, that's a good way for us to get to see them. Rick, thank you so much for being on with me today. If people want to reach you, what's your number at UMKC if they want to call you? Yeah, it's 816-235-5469. Rick Ben Ben, my good friend, thank you for being here this morning. Great, great conversation. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Andy. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. If you want to get a hold of me, you can check me out on my website, winnersunlimited.com. The show is replayed there on the, under the podcast level. You can also check it out here at Sports Radio 810 WHB under additional programming and podcast. You'll find it. You can reach me at my office at 816-561-5556. Follow me on Twitter at DRJ Sports Psych. My email is drj at winnersandlimited.com. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB.